0: Welcome to the Speaking of Tangents podcast, a podcast for your ears. Today's show is brought to you by Mouth, providing turnkey solutions for podcasters everywhere. Whether it's your mouth or our mouth, apparently recording a podcast is easy. So just open up your mouth and start talking. My name is Jason. KJ, what's up?
1: Hey, KJ here. And in this, the penultimate episode before our one-year anniversary of the podcast, of a it's the anniversary, the one year anniversary spectacular. You will not want to miss it. It's gonna be something. But that's next week. This week we review our week. And what else, Jason?
0: Well, KJ, I'm glad you asked. Cuz up next, we'll play Do We Have a Guest? And boy, do we have a guest. As SG3, the man himself joins us for an extended interview section you won't want to miss.
1: And we'll wrap it all up with feedback and, of course, more ridiculous Amazon reviews. All that plus several conversational tangents.
0: In a week, Week. things happen.
1: Yes, they do.
0: And now we'll review.
1: Yes, we will.
0: Those things that happened.
1: The things that happened.
0: It's the speaking of tangents. Week Week in in review. Review.
2: So what is up this week?
1: Oh, good is up this week because I got to go golfing.
0: Oh, that's always good.
1: Anytime that I can go golfing, I'm happy. But you know what? Once we started, uh, about the 12th hole, it started to go downhill. And I'm not talking about my game. My game is inconsistent at best lately. (laughs) I'm talking, (laughs) go ahead. Did
2: you have to push the cart to start it like Sean and I did?
1: No, and I didn't have to give bumper cars to the cart. Oh, okay. Uh, to the cart in front. Well, there's only one cart in our group, just me and the Hall of Famer. Okay. The Hall of Famer and me. Yeah. Yes. Um, Is that so, a new no, sitcom? That would be a fabulous sitcom, wouldn't it?
2: The Hall of Famer and me. Maybe. I can imagine that theme song. We'll have to write that.
1: Uh, okay, sounds good. Um, but no, by the 12th hole, we started catching up to other groups. And there's was this group. Of two, I'm assuming it was husband and wife, probably in their mid fifties, early sixties. They're in front of us and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. It's a par three hole and it's really, really short, like only 95 yards. So we're right there. We can hear everything they're saying. And I have, you know, expressed my opinion in the past about golf etiquette. And if you're slow, you should let people play through and don't pee in the woods Um, All that kind of stuff. Um, I think
2: those are, you know, you know, acceptable rules. Yes, that's not a that should not be looked at as, you know, a big big deal. Yeah. Well,
1: actually, pee in the woods over peeing in that tube that we talked about the whatever (laughs) that thing was called the Euro Club the Euro Club yeah Yeah. and not or the
2: potty putter whichever one
1: you (laughs) prefer that's right the potty putter not Euro e u r -R o either
2: no Um, u r o
1: but here so this couple in front of us. I look up and they're taking pictures. She, the wife is taking a picture of the guy, and it is a beautiful hole we're overlooking a huge bluff. She's taking a picture as we're waiting to tee off, and then I see coming out of the woods a little dog, a rat terrier to be to be you know clear exactly what kind of dog it was and
2: just a random dog ran out of the woods? Just
1: a random dog, and, and walking alongside of the green, walking onto the green then, and then it became apparent that this dog belonged to said couple. Ah. Oh. And I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm actually not against dogs on the golf course. In fact, my aunt and uncle, or aunt and uncle, used to have <laughs> their dog, Bubba. Bubba was a Shih Tzu, and they used that to have- That sounds
2: like a Primus song.
1: Bubba was a Shih Tzu? Yeah. <laughs> Bubba was a Shih Tzu. Do you
2: know who Primus is?
1: Yeah, I do know who Primus is, but I oh, don't... Cool. That was Papa was a Rolling Stone, but I was just singing. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> what did Primus have? There was one song that Primus had that I know. Probably
2: the one that you've heard of that most people have heard of was called My Name is Mud. He go, My Name is Mud. And then it's like a bunch... It's like 10 minutes of him slapping on a bass, a six-string bass. I mean, they're they're really good. They're really like talented, but... Everything sounds exactly the same to me. And I'm a musician who appreciates music like that. And most of their stuff sounds exactly the same.
1: Oh, okay. Well, maybe I do They're don't their know own genre,
2: song. so to speak. Yeah. Um, the, uh, Les Claypool, the, the bassist and lead singer and leader of the band, he, he, he did the uh, soundtrack for South Park. He did not the soundtrack, he did the theme song for South Park. Come on oh. down, to South Park. Oh, okay. See if I can and why.
1: Well, I guess I, I don't remember the mud one. So maybe it's a different Primus song that I'm aware of.
2: Yeah, they had they have they have one something like something. Bubba was a race a go kart driver or something like that. I can't remember it now. Okay. I should know better than that. But <laughs> I'm gonna yeah, I'm somebody gonna have to I'm look sure those up. will remind us. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's true. Um, but anyway, Bubba always stayed in the cart, and it was just sweet. And I always thought, well, I'd like to have a dog someday that I could just bring with me, so I don't have to leave them at home, sit in the middle between us. Um, so I've always I've been okay with that. But this dog. Um, wasn't staying in the cart. This dog was walking on the green, and then after they finished taking their pictures, we we were waiting for probably four minutes at this point while they were doing all this. And um, they took
2: pictures for four
1: minutes. Well, they well by the time we got up to the green or up uh, to the tee box, they were off in the woods, chipping. I mean, they didn't hit the green. So we were waiting for them to get their ball up. And then they got they their were... ball up and in. And then they started taking pictures. And then they get back to their cart. And then they're calling for the dog who wouldn't come back. So we're sitting there waiting them, waiting for them to call yeah. the dog back in the cart. It sounds,
2: it sounds like to me one of the things that you're most offended by them is that they're bad at golf.
1: No, no, because I've been <laughs> in the You're woods on out that of the woods. No, I've been in the woods on that hole. That hole's actually one of my nemesis. Ne- neme- nemesi? Nemesai, Nemesai, Nemesises.
2: This sounds like a Michael Jackson song now. <laughs> nemesai, Nemesai, man, I- Nemesis.
1: But yeah, so no, I'm most <laughs> offended by the fact that they were not uh respectful of the golf etiquette or not respectful of my time. There and you go. They knew that we were waiting. They looked at us. But then they, when you, they drove past us after they were done, she's like, thank you. Like, thank you for waiting for us on our, you know, adventure of, I guess this was some, I don't know, an amusement ride or some national park where you stop and take pictures and let your dog roam. I don't know. But it's golf, lady.
0: <laughs> was Keep it- your
1: dog in the cart.
0: Was
2: her tone on that? Thank you, as condescending as yours came across. It was.
1: It was kind of that way, and the guy didn't even acknowledge us. And so, what we did is we we just—we're members, so we moved around. So we just left, and we went down and played the the second course. There's two 18-hole courses because it was becoming apparent that they weren't going to let us play through, and that they're nice
2: to be able to, you know, just move to another course because uh, you're a member yeah mm-hmm. it is nice yeah, fancy
1: but you well it isn't that fancy if you got dogs on the golf course because let me tell you they're not <laughs> uh pinehurst number two is not letting you bring your dog on the golf course no.
2: so was it equivalent to the last time i saw a dog on the golf course which is when we were together playing in dc <laughs> and the guy that the big you know German the Shepherd type? guy had the, like the wolf in yeah, the, the cart wolf. with him
1: no that dog that dog stayed in the cart and amazingly yeah. enough, that, that cart, dog that stayed dog up was, on the seat of the cart. Yes.
2: That dog was as big as the cart.
1: Yeah. No, this dog was roaming around. And he, caught, when we, we were, so we finished the, the, the par three and we got to the next hole and they hadn't even teed off yet. Not because they were waiting for someone, but because they were playing with their dog.
2: Yeah. And taking the pictures too. I, yep. Ugh. Important question. Key question.
1: Yes. Were
2: they taking pictures of each other or were they taking selfies?
1: No selfies. Um, well, that's
2: that's good. Okay, yeah. that's that's that keeps me from you know really disliking them. Just you know, with all my being, and now it's just half because.
3: Yeah.
2: I you know how I feel about this. When you're enjoying and experiencing a moment, live in the moment. Quit trying to feel like, oh, I have to take a picture of this to put on my Instagram or my Facebook feed so everybody can see all the fun I'm having. Instead yeah. of actually having the fun, a lot of people, and hey, you should be taking pictures of cool stuff and you should be posting pictures, right. you know, and I share all that stuff, is there's no problem with that. But when that becomes the sole. You know,
1: purpose, yeah, purpose uh, yeah. of what
2: you're doing, and you, that's your focus is focus that's a camera punch oh, um, yes uh-huh. when it's your sole focus is to I got to capture this show, I can show everybody else instead of living in the moment and experiencing it, I feel like you're cheating yourself,
0: yeah, yep, live in the moment, have fun, who cares
2: if anybody else sees it? Have some moments where nobody else sees. how about that
1: uh uh-huh. yeah, and you know I'm guilty of some I mean, I take a lot of pictures when I 'm out. But yeah, that's
2: not a problem. That's, it's a difference. it's, there what, it's is how a difference, you focus. Yes. It's how yeah. you focus on it yeah. and not just how you focus the camera. It's what your, you know, middle <laughs> focus is on.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. But these people, I think they were trying to get the view. The view was pretty. But then on the next yeah. hole, they were just, they weren't taking pictures. They were, um, you know, just letting their dog wander around like they didn't have a care in the world, like they were at some park. Oh, and yeah. they never even said anything to us like, you know, we'll let you play through, go ahead, nothing like that. So it was very frustrating. And oh,
2: But they did say something. They said, thank you. Oh, yeah,
1: that was on the previous hole. But then they, they saw us That's come terrible. up and park right behind them at the tee box. And, yeah, it, wasn't, it was not very nice. And I'm... I'm an animal lover. I mean, I've told you before that I had my own pet sitting and dog walking business. So yeah. it's not about the dog, except no. it it's is kind about, of it's about, not about, the about the dog. P- the dog well, leaving the cart is not acceptable. What the if the dog, dog, dog a took a big the dookie on the, on the <laughs> g- green? What are you going to do then? I'm pretty sure they, they snuck the dog it. on the course. The dog is not allowed on the course, I'm pretty sure.
2: What if the dog went in the hole? <laughs>
1: That would be a neat trick.
2: Yeah, that that's that. that would be a nice surprise for the person playing behind them.
1: It gives I totally a see new example of, uh, or gives a new name for Euro Cup.
2: Oh, okay, <laughs> all right. It's it's really not about the dog, and it's not about the people taking the pictures, and it's not about them, you know, enjoying, you know, playing golf or or being bad, chipping out of the woods. It's comes down to what I'm hearing is that it comes down to they were inconsiderate of other people.
1: Exactly. It's the feeling of entitlement. Like yes, this yes. is my golf course for the day and I'm gonna do what I want.
2: I'm the only person in the world. I can do whatever I want without yeah. any repercussions or any thought about everybody anybody else. No. Yeah.
1: Yep. That's no. exactly what it comes Be down to. Be aware of
2: your surroundings and and value other people's time and and honestly in most cases put their experience above your experience and you know what? Your life will actually end up more uh enjoyable in a lot of cases. Exactly. You'll certainly you'll certainly, you know, piss a lot of less people off.
1: That's for sure, and I'll say the dog was very cute. So you know, I like the dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what? What about you? What's going on with you this week?
2: Um, let's see. I had a steel scaffolding fall from about two stories and hit me in the neck, and had to go get X-rays. And my arm was numb for a while, but uh, no broken bones. So I'm good. You know, nothing like being you know inconvenienced on a golf course by a dog and some people taking pictures. So.
0: What? 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 All right, all right. That wraps up our weekend review for this week. And now we're going to move right to our guest segment. Because coming up today, on the phone, we've got Gary Braun, SG3, aka Super G. And he's dropping all sorts of great background knowledge on his career, the TK show, and even some Pinterest recipes. Plus, you'll get some life advice if you pay attention. So get ready, get hyped. And let's go. Do we have a guest on the show this week? Answer no or yes. It's a binary thing. Do we have a guest? Do we have a guest? Do we have a guest? Answer no or yes.
1: Yes, 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 we do have a guest. He's the executive producer of Braun Film and Video based in the Washington, D.C. area. He's also a longtime and regular contributor to the Tony Kornheiser show in all its iterations, now in podcast form. He's an avid NFL fan, particularly a Washington Redskins fan. He's a fantasy football guru, world traveler. He's Super G, Gary Big Time Bron SG3. What else? Kim's Husband. He's Gary (laughs) Braun.
3: Hey, guys.
1: Thanks so much for coming with us today. Thanks
3: for that wonderful introduction. I was looking over my shoulder waiting for that person you were describing to come (laughs) take my interview (laughs) slot.
1: (laughs) My pleasure.
3: Are you going to ask a question?
1: (laughs) Sure, I'll ask a question.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'll ask questions if you want. I was was about to say, what am I doing here if we're not (laughs) going to (laughs) talk?
1: Well, I was waiting for my illustrious co-host asked a question, but I will start it off. So in the intro that, I, you know, the intro that I just did, um, I mentioned you're, you're a lifelong Redskins fan and you run a the film and video company, Braun Film and Video, uh, out of DC. So I imagine a lot of people listening already know that because we do have a lot of Kornheiser littles that listen to it, this podcast. But for those who might not know, did you grow up in Washington, D.C. or the Washington area as well? Or did you just cheer from for the Redskins from afar?
3: No, I I, I grew up here. I've uh, lived here all my life with the exception of, of college. I went to a, a very small uh, liberal arts school in Madison, New Jersey called Drew University, which is sort of um, Kind of, uh, Madison's kind of a suburb of New York City. It's like in Central Jersey, but with the exception of those four years, um, I am Montgomery County, Maryland, born and raised, which is a, a, a very close-in suburb of DC. For those that don't know, so yeah, I. I um, and of course, I, growing up, and as you guys know, I'm I'm a man now, 47. So um,
0: yes, growing oh, yes, up
3: man. in the mid late 70s, 80s. Um, that was the absolute heyday of Redskins dominance for those uh, who aren't old enough to remember. So when my kids ask me questions every fall, like, Dad, how in the world can you be a Redskins fan? They're terrible. <laughs> um, I remind them that when I was their age, all they did was win. So that made it very, very easy. I mean, as a kid, I, I got great memories of the sixth and seventh grade, skipping school and going with my older brother downtown to those Super Bowl parades, and um, it made it easy to be a Redskins fan. It's been harder of late, I will admit.
1: Yes, harder of late. Late. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I also grew up. I'm I'm also a man, 44, and my I grew up in Southern Virginia, so I was also a Redskins fan growing up because my grandfather was a huge fan of the team his entire life, and uh, so I I also remember those times. I no longer live there, and I'm no longer a fan though. So.
3: Yeah well it's funny you know the all of all of my lives and and careers are sort of they're all inextricably intertwined and maybe we'll obviously be getting into that in the course of this conversation but the, one of the things that sort of began to, to dull my fandom. And I think as we get older, at least I can't speak for all this, but for me, as sort of as I get older and other things are going on and you got distractions, it's like you, you lose the passion. I don't know how much of that with me is just oh, yeah. getting older or how much of it is them um, being bad versus being mm-hmm. good. But I, I graduated in college in, in 1992. I graduated. On a Saturday in May and and literally started my job on the radio station the very next day on Sunday, drove home and and started that that fall. I was uh, I was working on the Redskins broadcasts and game day um, became like a 14 hour workday for me when it used to just be like a, a 20 hour party. Um, yeah. And that sort of started to suck some of the fun of it for me. <laughs> I can imagine. So, and that coincided with like, uh, you know, growing up, work. That first year was the year that um, that uh, Brian Mitchell fumbled the handoff late in the game yes. against the 49ers, which maybe, yep. you know, the Redskins, this was the first non- was it the first non-Gibbs year or the last year with Gibbs? I'm trying to remember. But um, either way, it was sort of like the beginning of the end of, of that stretch of Redskins dominance. So all that stuff kind of was a perfect storm for me, I guess. And, and ever mm-hmm. since then... Um, I don't know. I just feel it's it's almost like a little piece of me dies every football season. It's really quite sad. <laughs> oh, and, that's and I, sad. And, and, you know, I, I, I consider myself a Redskin fan and, and certainly don't take exception with your introduction of me as a lifelong Redskin fan because I am. But the honest truth is, like, the older I get, the more I just kind of become a fan of of the league. And, and I do love fantasy football. It's I know that's sort of lame. Oh, yes. But... Um, yeah, I just it it's kind of sad. It is. I mean, I I'd, I'd like for them to be great once again while I'm alive, so I could see what feelings it conjured up in me, if any. Like, I'm not sure if. Uh, you know, like any relationship. I'm not sure if it's over or if it just kind of feels like it's winding down. But it's, it's sad, <laughs> yes, you guys. It's so sad. And, uh, you know, the the coverage of the Redskins um, that we do on Tony's show has has diminished greatly as we've gone to podcasts because we recognize it's, it's or at least it's hopefully it's a broader audience. It's not like when we used to broadcast on, on the Redskins flagship station. Right. Um, right. But believe me, um, it, 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 I sound like Trump. Believe me, I guarantee it. Uh, we're still—it's still, it's still a, a big topic of conversation for us in breaks, especially when DA and I are there. We we love to hit our heads against the wall and cry about it together.
1: Yeah, well, there we are missing some of those DA DA rants, you know, after the Redskins blow a game.
3: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they'll they will unfortunately rear their ugly heads right here. <laughs>
1: Well, I know what you feel like with the Minnesota Twins, Gary. So I'm right there with you.
3: Yeah, yep. Yeah. The teams of our youth.
2: Yeah, I've been uh, I've been reading what uh, Liz has been posting. Liz Clark has been posting on Twitter uh, from the camp, and it seems like though that Pryor could um, inject some life and excitement into the team this year uh, with him and Cousins.
3: Everything you read. Uh or or see on social media suggests that he is he is a, a super talent with um you know and the thing that's really surprising to me is i, I don't remember a guy where you, you so across the board hear about how amazing his work ethic is i mean everyone just talks about how hard this guy works how he's the first guy there last guy to leave he's definitely a freak physically yeah. Um, I haven't been to any of the training camp stuff, but I see, I mean, you can't go if you're a Redskins fan anyway, it's, it's hard to go on social media, and not see, uh, the one-handed catch he made in the end zone or the yes the turning around of Bashar Breeland and and it, it, he appears to be driving Bashar Breeland crazy frankly <laughs> Bashar Breeland is a cornerback. he's a Redskins cornerback who had a breakout year a couple years ago mm-hmm. in the wake of that they went out and signed Josh Norman and he very publicly talked about how he felt sort of disrespected and that they didn't need Josh Norman because they had him um and rather than rise to the challenge, he had a less than stellar year, year last year. And then this year at camp, he got—I don't know if, if you guys heard this—but he, Jay Gruden, basically threw him out of practice. I think it was yesterday. Yeah, I read about that for getting very physical. It was—it was actually a walkthrough, and and he got very physical. I had conflicting reports whether it was Terrell, Terrell Pryor or Vernon Davis, but. I, did, I heard that, and I thought to myself, well, it makes sense. I mean, every this guy can't go on his Twitter feed without seeing himself being burned by Terrell Pryor. I'd want to kill Terrell yeah. Pryor, too, if I were him. Yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: that's exactly right. It's yeah. uh,
3: getting to that point in training camp, I guess, where um, everyone's anxious to start hitting someone else. And, and thankfully, that happens, I guess, as soon as tomorrow night for some teams. I don't you know. Wednesday night football is hard to get used to, but they do it in preseason. Yeah, that's a, that's That's true. I, I,
2: I was a huge NFL fan growing up and I'm actually less of a fan now because the games are spread out more than Sunday and Monday night and it's just Thursday night is just too much for me to be honest with you so I've, I've actually declined in my mm-hmm. excitement as the season gets here just because it's too much almost now too many days.
3: Well, that sounds like uh, another advantage for Spike and Raju's rejects then. You're not doing (laughs) that. Yes. (laughs) Well,
2: I don't know if you've ever heard anybody. We did some fantasy football podcast last year with Rob, and my philosophy and strategy going into it is learn as little as possible as I can and just go with my gut feeling. And so far, I've made, I made. I, came, I think I came in third or fourth last year, and I won the year before that, so I'm going to keep rolling with that. All right, Rob. And also because it infuriates Rob, and I like doing that. I,
3: well, that's <laughs> easy to do, but I, I will take that advice, I think, because that might that may be the way to go. I'm handing yeah, over, just, I think, 100% managerial duties to, to Spike.
2: Cool, that was, one, that was one thing I was going to ask, yeah.
3: Well, we had, I, I, so there's, um, yeah, I'm in one other league, which is a, a league I run with a bunch of friends, which we've been doing, I think probably close to 20 years now and mm-hmm. and the dra- originally i guess it looked like the draft was scheduled that the um the raju's draft was scheduled for the same night so i told spike you know i'm sorry man you're gonna have to do it all by yourself which he was very excited about and then it got changed I say, yeah. said, oh, i'll be able to help you so um yeah, so one thing me you know, it's 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 a time of year when kids now you got a month of summer left. They start to get depressed, but at least on the bright side, he's he's got the draft right after school starts, so he's very That's excited good. for that. He actually met Claire at uh, met Claire at Tony's uh, at the show yesterday. We went mm-hmm. and and did a pop up yesterday, and she said, "I'm in the league with you. I'm I'm the business we've chosen." He was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I remember you," and he was <laughs> too too classy to point out I think that he trounced her, but. Yes. I love Claire.
1: And so and so did he um sign autographs like your, your Twitter indicated that No, he he,
3: he, uh, he met he met a lot of people, um, which he was very excited to do. I mean of course he knows Tony and Gene and, and Nigel and, and knows she and I worked actually Sheen and I before before this iteration of Tony, I had d- done a show mm-hmm. with Sheehan and John Riggins for a few years so he knows Sheehan very well um so he's excited to see those guys but yeah they you know they the kids see me come home with um with a free pair of underwear or a bottle of wine or a bag of licorice you know and they're like wondering what the hell's going on because it's like some some of the <laughs> stuff some of the the tribute that just so, it, so it, random and it's, yeah it's so random. Um, <laughs> And, um, and of course, to them, I'm, you know, my house is, it's, I'm a sitcom dad. I mean, just, just no respect, total, (laughs) they don't get how anyone would think I'm funny on any level. Um, So they're always sort of curious about that. So they had an opportunity to come. uh, I mean, of course, I guess throughout the summer they could, but they don't want to get up early and and go in like I do. So we had one yesterday, we were recording in the afternoon. So he was like, do you mind if I come? Will there be littles there? I'm like, yeah, there's littles there, you know? That's great. uh, yeah, so
2: I was I was I was gonna say how do they like when they um when they go to school they're like hey you know Gary Brown's my dad you know he he's on Tony show and he does his own company and has all this stuff no. or do they just like no. Yeah, whatever.
3: God no Come <laughs> on, dude, you had parents, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that you know, that's that's what they are. And they're I, dopey dad. I mean you know, we got a good obviously I I shouldn't say obviously, but I have a very good relationship with my kids. I mean, I, I love them dearly, love hanging out with them. Um, I think they have fun hanging out with me. But no, they're, they're not impressed by me, nor should they be. I'm not impressed with myself. I mean, I, I, don't, um, I don't take myself too seriously in, in anything that I do, um, whether it's Tony's show or my, or my business or, God knows, parenting them. So um, to them, I just hang out. If anything... They're always, I think, a little bit embarrassed when they find out that like a friend's mom or dad l- listens to me or knows me or is like impressed to find out that her dad is me, um, and they just they don't get it, which is good. That's that's how I like it.
2: Absolutely, yeah, I yeah. totally. And I and I think it is obvious that you guys have a great relationship. And I have I have an 11 year old son, and so I get a little bit of that of where some people around here may know me. Or recognize my name when i when i run into him places and he he's constantly rolling his eyes like dad you're embarrassing me even though i don't even say anything so it's it's,
3: it's so so, funny we have sort of like a running joke where anytime um i mean my my daughter sydney she she turns 16 the 22nd of this month so you know she's a a crazy teenage kid and um we talked about this on yesterday's show because sunday we went to the coldplay show she's a huge huge coldplay fan um and I mean, we can't we we can't get through like a dinner conversation without something about Chris Martin coming up or something. It drives us all nuts. But anytime she talks about any kind of uh, TMZ or paparazzi type thing or you know the, the perils of mm. fame, I always sort of say, "Oh my God, you know, you're you're telling me." And, uh, <laughs> and they're like, oh, "Come on, you know," they think it's a total joke, which of course it is. And I was like, "Well, you know, I'm I'm regionally famous." Absolutely. Right. Well, they're like, oh, I don't know about that. It's like, well, locally famous. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's sort of a running joke. So I, I can't even I'm, gather fame in the household. But my kids do know, and my wife will tell you this, because this has been my mantra for uh, certainly the entirety of time I've been on air with Tony. And my career was never, I was always sort of... Um, I was more interested when I got into radio, I was actually more interested in, in management and ownership track. My dad was a communications attorney. So Hmm. growing up he represented, and this was back before four companies owned every TV and radio station in the world. You know, it's back when individual owner operators ran things. So, um, and, uh, you know, he was kind enough to take me around the country with him on business trips. And I would meet these guys and all these guys were super cool and had tons of money and it seemed to have great lifestyles. And um, so that was something that, like, appealed to me. I mean, I liked the broadcasting aspect of it, but I, I always said I, I don't want to be rich and famous. I-, I want to be rich and obscure. There you go. Mm-hmm. I-, I don't yeah. need the uh, <laughs> I-, I don't need the adulation. Frankly, I'm not even really comfortable with it. Um, you know, when, exactly, when yeah. people like are impressed, I mean, even talking about it makes me, I'm not, it's not like false humility. I mean, I'm just, I don't know. It makes me uncomfortable.
1: It makes so, you uncomfortable. Yeah. It that's, does.
3: That's so, exactly,
2: uh, I know exactly what you're saying. We're coming from that exact same point. of. In And, you know, yeah, exactly. yeah.
1: So,
3: I mean, I, I wouldn't, don't get me wrong. I do I mean, I love what I do, um, in, in support of Tony, but I, um, I mean, I, I know who I am. I wasn't, I I don't have that, that star drive. I don't seek the spotlight at all. Um, And, um, you know, that's, that's why Tony's gig is sort of kind of the perfect storm for me. But even when I started at that radio station, it was, it was behind the scenes in a production role and, Mm -hmm. and and Tony actually kind of thrust me into the upfront thing. And, I'm, and, you know, I'm glad he did. He's been very loyal and, and good to me ever since, obviously. So I owe it to him a lot.
2: And you are great at that role, exactly what you just said, of you're not trying to steal the spotlight. You're just part of, you know, playing your role in the show, and you do a great job at it. Um, you said um, that you started, like, in 1992. I've seen, like, this, I think it was on C-SPAN. It, yeah, it went around C-San. like in the past yeah. year or so. Yes. The clip from C-SPAN of of Gary, I mean not Gary, of uh, Tony and Andy doing the show in the tuxedos. That's right. Uh, and saw you in the control room now. Was that your first radio thing?
3: That that was 1994. Oh, okay. okay. And and I have um I have tweeted that out probably a couple times. it's great. Um, yeah, it's, that's you know, and I'll send it to you offline if you, if you guys wanted to send it out. But yes, yeah, so C-SPAN awesome. 1994. Did a thing where um, I mean this isn't even going to sound odd remotely, but at the time it was sort of revolutionary, although boring. Where they went like <laughs> select radio shows around the country. I think they did it with Imus. Um, uh-huh. it may have just been Imus and Tony at this point, and they filmed them and they broadcast them live. And uh, yeah, they they came in in, in 1994 when as painful as this is for me to think Tony was younger than I am now Oh Oh, wow (laughs) I've always like I I just recently realized that Tony when I met him was a younger man than I am now but Tony has always seemed and part of it is I get it I mean he's 20 something years older than me and part of it is generational he's always been 20 years older than me but um, he just is I say this with nothing but love for the guy, but he's just always <laughs> such a such an <laughs> old man to me. <laughs> and I, I I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, I don't mean yeah. that in like a, a negative sense, but just you know oh, no. more mature, way more serious, way smarter. Um I I don't know that I ever assumed I would be that sort of intellectual or that serious about stuff and well he is an english major after all yes this is true this is true yes. i one's more pretentious or philosophy majors as he's pointed out so exactly. uh, <laughs> so it was funny to see that because he actually he is not changed at all i mean the, the that's funny the, the should like his his sort of acerbic sense of humor and kind of the antagonistic streak. I mean, definitely the show has changed and evolved. And I think anyone who's a fan of Tony's show and has been for, you know, five plus years would really appreciate seeing that video because it's, it is funny. Yes. I don't just mean that I had hair. Um, it's <laughs> funny to see like that iteration um, of the show. And yeah, it, it, you know, you didn't ask me this, but the way I ended up with with Tony is 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 really weird, and it and it it speaks a lot to Tony. So I, I started at that station, like I said, the day after college. I couldn't. I, um, I mean, I was a tape editor. I worked two eight hour shifts a week, literally cutting tape and taping it back together with razor blades. I mean, that's how we wow. stuff. This was pre digital, oh. obviously. Yes. Um and. Uh, the, the station was uh, was a startup in a, in a time of startups, basically. And it was really fat from the top down. And they sort of, as, as they realized it was a bad idea, sort of kept trimming the fat. And, and people that could do a lot for a little and didn't have any families, so they had all the time in the world like me, just sort of kept falling up. And yep. that was in May. And I want to say by um, by that summer... Certainly by the summer, by August, maybe it was even by the end of July. I was, I had like worked into like a little bit of a uh, bo- bo- boardopping phase where they would let me close to actual buttons and run some shows. But it was syndicated programs, and um, and I was working the board for the IMUS show, which was uh, which we simulcast. IMUS in the morning um, started out of New York. Mm-hmm. and uh and was fed i don't know in how many markets i mean this guys at the time there were i, I don't i, I mean I, I i'm not exaggerating when i tell you i don't think there were 10 sports radio stations in the country i mean dc was like one of the first 10 there was new york i think there was one in minneapolis There was one out west
1: really okay A
3: handful of others maybe boston yeah it's totally different time yeah totally different so mm-hmm. um so essentially, I worked the board from Forimus' show, was from six to 10, which meant when he went to commercial in New York, I would throw down his pot so we didn't hear what New York was feeding, and then I'd play the local ads. Um, mm-hmm. So Tony's show at the time was from 10 to noon. So Tony would come into our studio, which was adjacent to my room and, and connected through a big glass window. You know, they always talk about the producer on the other side of the glass. So he mm-hmm. would get in there early maybe nine o'clock or so and and start prepping for his show i mean tony the the one thing i think people don't realize about him is is how because because it appears so natural for him and it is natural for him it does come natural but he puts in a lot of work i mean and and he really preps hard and he always did Mm -hmm. so he would come in there and prep for an hour um and he had uh, and he was a a total and again i I say this lovingly i mean i I worry about it getting back to him but tony If you're listening, I think you know how I mean this. Um, He was a snob. I mean, he's talked about this. He was like a newspaper snob. He had no use for anyone in radio. Looked down his nose at them. It was a a new industry. He just thought they were just, you know, talkers and loudmouths, and they didn't didn't do work. They weren't English majors. They were C students, you know, just not a lot of respect for the people there. So there was um, a book at the time called The Jordan Rules, and at the station, there were Tony Rules, and it was just basically like, stay out of his way, don't talk to him, he's going to come in, he's going to do his thing, he's going to leave um easy to believe right i mean you guys yeah yeah. definitely so um so i'm this 22 year old kid behind a glass he comes in i just i'm basically gonna look at the floor um but occasionally he would need a piece of info um that now um uh i don't know how he would get it now i was gonna say now you could readily look it up on the internet then there was no internet but we had like ap wires and stuff so he he'd Hit the IFB back to me. And my students say, "Hey, kid, grab. A, you know, I need to know what. How many hits did Kirby Puckett have last night, or whatever the question was. You know, so yeah. I, I became his little gopher. You know, I had nothing to do basically for that. Stat boy. Um, you were the
1: yeah. first well, stat well, boy, yes, Gary.
3: Good point. Well, good point. I was mean, a stat boy. That's
0: very good. Yeah.
3: Um, and uh, you know, I. Um, and I, for so I just I did what he asked me. I mean, you know, I did what he asked me to stay stayed out of his way, basically. Um, very long story short, because this is, I and mean, next time I see you guys, I'll have to tell you off the air because you would love this story, but it's it's just way too long to share. Here. Um, <laughs> but very long story short, um, he had later that summer. He had uh, his producer was going away for a few days, so he needed someone to produce his show. And management arranged for, um, uh, I shouldn't drop the names because I'm not sure if the names are right, but they they arranged for the guy who was producing the afternoon drive show, who was their best, I'm putting that in air quotes, but their best sports radio producer to be his producer. Um, So they called him in after a show one day to tell him, hey, you know, uh, your producer's going away, so we're going to have Fuse produce your show while he's away. And, um, you know, Tony's mellowed a lot in his old age. But in those days, the last thing you do is tell him what he's going to do. It's just to a fight. Yes. You know? <laughs> so, so Fuse or whoever it was, was dead the second they told him that. that guy <laughs> was never going to work for him because that was the guy who they wanted to work for him. And, um, and he said, you know, I don't want him. He's, he's Kylie and the coach's producer. He produces afternoon shows. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, well, he's the best we got. And he said, well, I you know, I don't want him. And they're like, well, who do you want? And he said, well, I want, who's the kid who does Imus? And they said, Braun? And he's like, yeah, I want him. And they're like, Tony, he's not a producer. He doesn't, he's never done it. He doesn't, he just got out of school. He doesn't know what he's doing. And it, very long story short, that was who he wanted. He yeah. wants well, that He's guy. a producer now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, and I was his producer there, not, not, not without trials and tests, um, because there were some, <laughs> but um, thankfully I passed. and I produced his show, uh, for, I guess, the better part of, of four and a half years until I left there in 97. but um, And by the time I left, it, w- it had you know become very much an on-air role, although it was producer as well, very much like Nigel is, is now, although I wasn't mm-hmm. as good either at producing or being on the air as mm-hmm. Nigel is. Um, but Tony, God bless the man, he just, he was, so when I left, he said, as long as I'm doing this, you have a spot with me if you want it. And I said, great. He said, I'm telling you, I'm going to be moving. I'm going to be banging around. And he's like, I am always going to come to you. He said, I understand you got your business. You got your thing. If it works out, great. If not, I understand. Um, And to his his undying credit and and my um, ever-growing gratitude, every step of the way, I mean, when he went to ESPN, when he went to a different local station, everywhere, um, when he went to Monday Night Football, He called me. I mean, he's always said, Hey man, you know, I'm doing this. If, if there's any way you think you can fit in or do it, I would love to have you. And, um, most of the time I I just sort of say, Hey man, I'm, you know, I'm living the American dream here. I got my own business. I got sort of flexible hours. I can work from home a day or two a week. I mean, I, I don't know why I would take a third of the money to come grind it out with you. No offense. <laughs> um but um in these most couple recent incarnations, he um, especially last time at the radio station was was um was sort of the one where it all changed where he just basically said, Look, you're not I don't want you to work for the radio station, you work for me you come, you do the show when you can do it. If you can do three shows a week, awesome. If you can do one a week, I'll take it. If you're going away for business and you can't take any, that's fine. We'll just, we'll pay you when you're here. We can run it through the business as a consultancy. I mean, he was very, very um, accommodating and has and just been so, so good to me, as I'm sure you guys can appreciate. So um, oh,
1: definitely. Yeah.
3: I mean, I, I, I love the guy forever. And, and and when I left the station in originally in 1997 it was like a very um, to get into this business that I'm doing now where my brother is my business partner my brother had been doing it freelance for a number of years and it was a pretty logical extension I mean production is production on some level you know it's team management it's budget management it's personnel management Um, there was a little bit of a, a sales component to what I do now and and um, as you guys have probably heard me say cuz it's one of my one of the five lines that I have and just batter and batter and batter I, <laughs> I, I could not sell the cure to AIDS and, that's, and that's, <laughs> that's like the problem with this thing I was like man I don't know but um you know but We're to- I'm totally on board with you on that. Uh, yeah, yes. me too. Yeah. We're all with you. Yeah, so um, but you know you can sell yourself so it's like you—you you might not be able to go sell widgets, but if you were trying to sell a sponsorship for your podcast, um, you could—I'm sure—make a very compelling case because you know you get it. So um, when it's your business, and, <laughs> and I guess
2: we're terrible at promotion.
0: That's yeah, we our problem. Are. <laughs>
3: well, promotion is different than sales, but yeah, when, that's true. Know, that's yeah.
2: maybe 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 part of our problem is we don't know the difference between. <laughs> <any of them.
3: laughs> you need to make. I'll hold a lesson for you guys. We'll have a little class. That'd be awesome. You, um, when you need to make the sale to eat, I guess it can be a motivating factor. So,
1: yeah.
3: yes. um, so that's how I'm able to keep my foot in, in both pools. And I think actually it's been, and, and Tony knows this, we've talked about it, and, and he, I think, appreciates this fact greatly. I think it's one of the things that makes Tony's show um, so unique, and, and if, I, if I may be so, um, so pompous as to say so good, is, is the fact that no one – um, with the exception of Nigel, no one who's there is it the primary source of income for. I mean, it's it's ostensibly yeah. a hobby for most of us. We're doing it yeah. because we can, not because we have to or need the money. Certainly <laughs> Tony doesn't, um, and that's very liberating. You know, I mean, I I've, oh, yeah. been, I've been behind a microphone when it's my job, and and it's a different it's a, it's a different sort of thought process. It's a different self editing process. I mean, in, in this, in, in this current format, I know I can say or do whatever I want without repercussion. Now it, it won't, yeah. it, it will not, I mean, a hundred times out of 99, it will not make the air because uh, <laughs> you know, I, I will say things that will go a break and he'll say, Nigel, you gotta, you know, take that out. I don't want that air. And I, and I get it because he has to protect the franchise. Um, right. Which is the PTI thing. But uh, again, to his credit, I mean, he'll say that to Nigel and then he'll turn to me and say, you know, you just keep being you. Don't ever edit. I'll edit you. But I won't. That's to great. Me, whatever's coming out of you. So um, and I, I think, oh. that's you know, whether it's me, whether it's Eliza, whether it's D.A., whether it's um, McManus, R- 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 Ruster, Pileman, whatever, whoever I'm forgetting, mm-hmm. Liz Clark, Barry's Tony, whoever. I mean, we all have jobs you know we all yes. have jobs that, that compensate us very fairly and, and don't need this job so um, it, it kind of frees us up you know I mean yeah. if that makes sense
1: yeah but what it a definitely fantastic comes yeah. what a fantastic working relationship to be in it sounds like. like Mark Stern was telling us the same type of thing that uh, working with Tony is exactly kind of what you're describing that, yeah what a, it's
3: great it, it, yeah. He's, he's the greatest boss in the world um you know, and and he would probably deny even that he's our boss, and he's not our boss in in that strict sense. But um, Tony is is one of those guys. Um, you know, as as a man, he he. How do I say this without sounding like I'm taking a swipe at him? Um, he, he is he is ve- he knows very well what he knows and doesn't know, and he's perfectly comfortable. Mm-hmm sort of delegating to others. I mean, he's learning this a lot too in the restaurant business. I mean, he doesn't know the restaurant business. So there's a lot of trust (laughs) Mm -hmm. involved. You got to trust that you're sort of hiring people who can do the thing. But um, Tony has, has famously said to me many times, and I love this quote, the only thing I know about money is how to make it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and he does know how to make it, but even in like talking about like investment and stuff, I mean, he has financial guys who handle all that stuff for him. um, I'm a little bit of a finance file. So like I've talked to him sometimes about that stuff and I'll be like, I don't, you know, you got to talk to my guys. I don't even, so, you know, he just delegates and yes, it's very, he lets you do your thing and it's the best. I mean, we've all had bad bosses, right? We've all had mm-hmm. people oh, yeah. who try to micromanage us or want, or and that, want us. That's the worst. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Or want to mold you, want to create you into the mold that they want. I mean, this guy, he could not be less like that. Yeah. And I think the
2: thing about the show, Tony show, that most people really catch on to whether it's consciously or subconsciously is that it is real. He's, he comes across as very real and everybody on the show comes across as they want to be there. Like you said, it's not their primary, it's not their job. They don't have to be there primarily. They want to be there. And that totally makes the show for me. And that's honestly why I got attached to it, you know, seven or eight years ago when I was first started listening after watching him on PTI is I felt like this is him being who he really is or the most of who he really is. And it really comes across that people you guys are just sitting around hanging out having a conversation like you would even if you weren't recording or broadcasting or anything
3: yeah i yeah. say that's a very accurate observation i mean we, we are not um with, with the exception of of editing the language a little bit we're not <laughs> cognizant that the microphones are on i mean we're just hanging out talking i mean you guys have, have been with us in settings without live microphones and it is it's very much like yeah. that it's just it's, yep. it's absolutely it's real and genuine i mean we don't I don't. You know, we're not all hanging out by the pool on Saturday, so I don't. I don't want to misconstrue. We're not um, chummy like that. We're not all best friends um, socially. Um, although we do get together a bunch of stuff, but
1: right. you know,
3: we would get together. I mean, my, um, Kim and I, my wife and I will, will have dinner with, with Jeannie and staying. I mean, they're, they're 20 something years older than us. You know, we don't, mm-hmm. we don't do a lot of that. Most people don't go out with couples who aren't their parents who are old enough to be their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we, we do do stuff like that. We do all genuinely like each other. We, and, and Tony, I guess is kind of the, the thread, the tie that binds, if you will, sort of the common thread we all have. Yeah.
2: The hub of the wheel, as I've heard him say. Yes. Before. Yes.
1: yes. Yes.
3: Yeah. I mean, I don't want to turn this into a love fest of, of Mr. Tony, but yeah, he's, he's been a, a very good um, boss, as I said, but more importantly, been a very good friend for a long time. I mean, I've, I've now known Tony more than half my life, which is weird. And, you know, and he was at our wedding and we saw his kids grow up and now his kids having a kid. And it's just, um, yeah. you know, it's crazy how life, life will sneak past you like that. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Yes, and how fast it goes, because I am now a man too, Gary. Oh,
3: congratulations, (laughs) KJ!
1: Thank you very much.
3: Welcome to manhood. That was recent, right? I think I saw that this summer. Yeah,
1: that was last November.
3: Oh, yeah. All right. (laughs) Well, you're one of the better looking men I've seen. Not again. Not to channel my inner Trump, but uh, I meant you were a good looking forty.
1: Okay. Thank you. Thank you. In the introduction, we did mention that you have Bron- you are executive producer of Braun Film and Video with your bro- your brother, right, Dave?
3: That's correct.
1: So, how did that all come about? How did you get started in that? And it sounds like from your previous discussion about the radio show that did you start that in '97? Then, when you left the radio, did you join your brother at that time?
3: That's right. Yeah, th- this. Um this will be a little bit less colorful and expansive of a a conversation. (laughs) Um, But, uh, so my brother is, um, is the, the more classically trained, I guess, if you will, um, Mm -hmm. video producer. I mean, my brother is the kid who, when we we were little boys, we had this sort of super eight camera and he'd do the stop, the stop frame animation with the clay figure who was melting oh, out awesome. the light, you know, take a frame, mm-hmm. move them a little bit, take a frame. Um, and he went to school to um, did he study film or communications. I'm, I'm not sure, but he, he was always sort of in that track and, and got in it right after school. Um, I was more um, interested mm-hmm. in kind of. Sports and hanging out and partying, and I think I was just sort of watching sports <laughs> Center like sophomore year one night, and thought like that'd be cool. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> that's that sort of that's sort of how I um, kind of ended up in the sports broadcasting arm of broadcasting. But I. Um, so I, I interned at a radio station um, here in D.C. in college. And when I was out, as I said, I started at the radio station. But after about five years, I had kind of done everything I was going to do at that station. And the, and the next job, um, short of going to Orlando and then Omaha and then hoping to get a break in, in um, Las Vegas or wherever you're going to go, I mean, I had five years when you're 26 or 27, as I was at that point, is, is a long period of time. And I had seen a lot of people, a lot of friends of mine in the business, bang around, chasing that gig, wanting their own show. And and that was never really my thing, as you guys knew. So at this point, um, uh, I, w- I was dating the woman who who I was pretty sure was going to become my wife. And I was, I was accurate in that regard. So I, I wasn't looking to sort of relocate. This was home for me. Um, I was very happy here, and I kind of maxed out at the station. I mean, the guy, m- my boss was sort of my next job, and he wasn't going anywhere, and I wasn't interested in in submarining him. He was and remains a great friend. Todd Castleberry was his name. I'm sure you've heard the name if you've listened mm-hmm. to the show for any period of time. Yeah. Um, and it happened to coincide with the time my brother, who had been a freelancer, was was incorporating and um, and starting to grow his business and, and he was looking for some capital and a partner. And and that was tough because he had put, I mean, it had only been, I guess at that point, six or seven years, but he, he put a lot of time and effort and money into it and didn't want to trust it with just anyone. And, and he knew I was a little restless and he, he came to me. I mean, we, we never had any, um, any dreams or never talked about kids as kids about ever working together or doing anything together, but it was just, I guess the timing uh, the timing was good for us both. You know, he, he needed help. I was looking to kind of branch out. Um, and I joined him um, at that time. And it was, um, as I mentioned earlier, it was a pretty logical extension of what I was doing. I mean, I didn't have any formal education in terms of lighting or composition. I mean, I had played with cameras and got a little bit from him by osmosis, but mm-hmm. um, it's not like I'd gone to film school or anything like that. But um, But I knew how to, Produce things. I knew how to produce media. I had done that, you know, for for years at the radio station. I had at that point I was produced, or maybe not at that point, because I think I'm trying to remember if we still even had the Redskins rights. But for for some period of time at that station, I had produced the Redskins game day broadcast, which is a pretty significant undertaking. Oh, yeah. Granted, it was all. It was all audio, not, not no video. But um, and, and we thought that uh, Dave had worked pretty exclusively in the com, uh, in the corporate realm. Um, MCI, the phone giant, was a big client of mm-hmm. his. Some work for Coca Cola, but he hadn't done anything commercially. And, and I, with the experience of, of the radio station and the Redskin stuff, had had a lot of contacts and a great Rolodex on the sports side, but also had some. Um, like advertising contacts. And we thought maybe we could use that to sort of expand the business and break into that realm. And we did. We produced some um, Redskins TV shows that we all owned and sold. Um, and they aired locally on HTS, which is now Comcast Sportsnet. But it was like the local. I mean, back in the day, this is crazy to think, but I think for like three or five hundred dollars, we could buy a half hour of airtime. Wow. Um, and for like another seven hundred dollars, we could get, a two-hour block of studio time, fully crewed with like an eight-person crew or something, wow. um, and yeah. we, we did a show called Ball Hogs, which was a um, which was a Redskins roundtable talk show hosted by Al Koken and Joe Jacoby and Jeff Bostic, former Hogs, who I knew That's from cool. my time at the station. And then every week we would have like a Gibbs-era skin rotate and be that fourth chair, and it was just a, you know just one of these talking head shows you see all the time, um, mm-hmm. but. So we did that. We produced that show, sold all the advertising ourselves, and 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 went to uh, went to companies for whom ten or fifteen thousand dollars wasn't a ton of money. You know, like the Geicos of the world or, or yes. the Chryslers, and and got a little money to do that. So that that was um, that was one of the first things we did, sort of broadcast and commercially, and. While on paper, I'm not sure that ball hogs ever made money. It was great for us because what we would do is we would use that. You guys were talking earlier about promotion. We would use that to to just promote our business. So we'd say to our sure. corporate clients or, you know, let's say we're pitching uh, Jason and KJ on, on a um, you know promotional video for speaking of pensions. And we'd say, why don't you guys come on down to ball hog? You know, we'll talk about it after the show, but you can come on down. So they'd come down with their kid, get their autographs. Stein. And then oh, that's great. Yeah. after the show, Jacoby and Bostic would sit in the green room and drink four cases of beer and just regal everyone <laughs> with stories. <laughs> and, so it was great from a, a, a business growth standpoint. Um,
2: oh, yeah. Just and then the from that,
3: we did yeah. a show called Casterly's Corner with featuring, obviously, Johnny Casterly and, and hosted uh-huh. – or Ch- Charlie Casterly hosted by Johnny Holiday, excuse me. Um so we did some of that stuff for a couple of years and, and it really helped us grow business on, on the corporate side. And, and um, these days we do I mean, we'll, we'll do some broadcast commercial stuff. We do rarely some music video stuff, but D.C. is not a huge market for that. Obviously, um, that stuff uh, primarily out west, most of that stuff. So um, we, we do some. As I said, broadcast commercial, and music video, some of that what I would call sexy stuff, but most of the stuff we do <laughs> is is corporate video, sales, marketing, employee, investor recruitment, training. Um, we are on the the GSA schedule, which simply means we're a government approved agency to serve the government. So um, nice. we'll do work for, I mean, all, every, DoD, all, all, all uh, branches of, of the armed forces. I mean, any, anything government related at any time, we have a handful of government proposals out there. Um, and it's fun. I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not breaking news here or, or, or cheating on my brother. If I tell you, you know, if Tony's show paid like a, like, like radio paid, I would just give my half of the business to my brother (laughs) (laughs) and do, uh, and do Tony's show all the time. So, um, But I do like, uh, you know, my brother and I are close. We've grown very close. Our our, our strengths and weaknesses are very complementary. So we've been very lucky. I mean, we didn't really think at all about the perils of a family-owned business. We just figured, you know, we were smart enough. We got along well enough. We would work it out. Um, yeah. I can tell you, in twenty plus years now, I, I don't. We've like never had a conflict at all. Um, I think part of it is we're both also pretty laid back, you know, we're pretty chill, but, um, yeah, that helps a lot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So rare to not have an art. That's good.
3: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for it. I mean, increasingly, I guess I, I appreciate that we've been fortunate in that regard. I mean, I think again, when you're younger, you sort of take stuff for granted, all, you know, kind of what you know. Um, so it's, it's, um, a nice little business for us. I mean, it's not huge, but we got a handful of, of people who work for us. We're strictly producers. I mean, in this day and age where where um, you can literally, by yourself, shoot, edit, write, produce, direct something, um, yes. we, we are not extraordinarily technical. Um, for years, we didn't even get into owning any gear just because the, the technology was so expensive and constantly evolving, and we didn't know enough to maintain it or take care of it. Now we own... Uh, you know, a couple cameras and, mm-hmm. and some basic lighting and grip gear and and have a couple of uh, full-time editors on staff and camera operator and stuff. But um, cool. it's, um, you know, it's not the sexiest work in the world, but it pays its bills. Frankly, guys, what, what um, and it, this is, this sort of speaks to what I was saying earlier about my role with Tony's show. I mean, I, I'm not, and I think I started this 15 minute answer by, by telling you my brother was sort of the classically trained one. So I'm not, I'm not against video production. I mean, I like it, but I don't, it's not necessarily my thing like his was. Um, but the thing about it that I like is, is first of all, it's, it's a little bit different every day because we're always getting new clients and, and, yes. and I'm into not so much the technical execution of it, but I just like the problem solving aspect of it. I like meeting a new client Hearing them talk about sort of what their needs are, what their challenges are, what they're hoping video can do for them, whether it's explain a process, raise money, answer a media inquiry, whatever, and then figuring out with them collaboratively sort of how to best package that message for their audience. I mean, it's every video is a little bit different you know i mean who who is the audience because that's right. going to dictate a lot how are we going to speak to them is it you know are they eight or are they 88 how are they going to mm-hmm. view it is this a captive audience in in a conference room where you're going to darken the lights and, and roll your movie because if that's the case you know you can take 8 10 12 15 30 minutes you know or is it an email blast and they don't even know who you are in which case you're going to have about 10 seconds to get their attention and they're going to bounce so um I, I kind of like that problem-solving aspect of it, and and the social and, and collaborative nature of it.
2: Yeah, that's to me. That's the perfect uh, criteria for a good producer. Is are you a problem solver? Because that, as I've worked in production, both music and audio and video, um, over the years, and the thing that has served me the most is that's my primary skill is problem solving and. When you can do that with production, you can do just about anything. So it sounds like you are the perfect fit for a producer. To, totally,
3: totally agree. Not with your assessment of me, but your, you, but the importance of, of problem solving. Um, you do. You, you have to be unflappable, you know. And, and sometimes, yes. I mean, I, I've, I've traveled all over the world doing this. I mean, sometimes you're in very austere environments in yes. countries where you don't speak the language and can't communicate what you need. Um, but you got to get what you got to get. You know, yep. I mean, you you, you got to get it done. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, however, you got to do it. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, and the fact that you you know you said you weren't classically trained, but it sounds like you and your brother are perfect matches to make. That's why this company has been able to be successful.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely it, it has not hurt. Um, but and I think a lot of the skills I learned producing radio translated well. I mean, the, the other stuff. Sure. Um, the other stuff you can learn the technical you know the the, the three-point lighting or, or you know how a, how a yeah. green screen needs to look or or how to imbue mood or something I mean you can learn that stuff but um, like any job I mean the the, the, the world um, I will frequently tell my kids it's like divided into two two types of people like the people who get it and the people who don't get it and Absolutely. the people who get it, mm-hmm. get it, and the people who don't get it aren't ever going to get it. They're just not no. wired to get it. You can't teach you know, them that.
2: It's so my, It's like when you're in the NBA, you you want people who are tall because you can't teach height. Right. You can teach them some rudimentary skills most of the time and get people along if they have some athletic ability, but you can't teach them to get taller. Exactly so it's the same yeah. thing. You so, can't teach. So you,
3: so you got to be wired for it. I mean, you know, if if we yeah. woke up tomorrow Absolutely. and our production company was a bagel shop. Um, we'd be under in a, in a month, you know, I mean, I, I understand <laughs> yeah. business and stuff. I just I don't know bagels. I don't know. I, w- I wouldn't know there how to know. do that business. So, um, you know, but it's it's funny because it's like a lot of it's, um, you know, you look back at your life and you figure, how did you get here? It's like for me. Tony's a great example. I mean, Tony's talked about this a lot on the air. There, there was like a plan. You know, he knew what he wanted to do. He had like the... the mm-hmm. uh, Kirk Cousins famously has like a, an Excel spreadsheet, like every 15-minute block of his day is scheduled out. Um, wow. wow. You know, t- Tony had that like plan for his life. You know, go to this paper, go to that paper, get a column. I mean, he didn't see what... He didn't see TV coming. He didn't see the podcast. Obviously, he didn't know that stuff was coming, but he had a plan. Right. I, you know, I'm, I am sheepishly and embarrassingly admit, I didn't have a plan, you know. I mean, I, I was kind of, um, I, I wasn't like a jerk-off or anything. But, I mean, you know, I was an upper-middle-class white kid who had a, a pretty cushy life. Um, mm. No one was going to hand me a business, a career, or a job. And my parents, you know, it was important to them that i get educated. And when I was a kid, I always had a job. I mean, it, it's not like I wasn't spoiled rotten. Um or even spoiled, although by some standards I probably was, but um, <laughs> but I, I didn't, you know, I didn't have a plan. So I just kind of banged around. Like I said in college, one night I was sort of like, oh, I guess sports broadcasting would be fun, yeah. and, you know, and I got a job in it and I worked at, and then it sort of became this other thing, and and kind of here I am, you know. So who knows what I could have done with some foresight? Could have yeah, been- <laughs> I'm totally
2: on board with that. I'm in the, yeah. the same boat, and I think honestly it become the. Uh, being a problem solver, having a problem solver mentality, kind of leads to that where you're like, well, whatever comes up, I'll figure it out. I'll I'll be able to figure it out, or it'll work itself out, and where I need to be will where I where is where I end up. And it's not that I don't have a direction; it's just I don't I don't plan it out more than okay, I'm doing this right now, and you know if if this happens, great, and if it doesn't, then you know I'll figure out the next thing once I get there.
3: Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you know, attitude is everything. It's like if absolutely, if you want to be yes. a victim, you can always be a victim. Yes. It always sucks. I mean, I, I don't, um, I, I don't really get caught up in that. I don't like, I I've never been into like comparing myself with other people. There's always someone better off, always someone worse off. It doesn't, it, you know, it's just, yes. So I, I don't know if that's just how I'm wired, if that's how I was raised, but it's just, you know, you keep your nose down, you grind, you, you, life gives you lemons, you make chicken salad or whatever they expect.
0: From this. <laughs> there so, you go. <laughs>
3: uh, but yeah, I'm with you on that, Jason. I, I appreciate your thoughts on
2: that. Yeah, it's it's actually good to hear uh, that you know that that's you know the way you approach stuff because it it uh, it means that some of us out here who don't really plan everything it, it it usually tends to work out most of the time in some
3: way or another. Yeah, well, I think yep. you know, if, if your attitude's right, why not? Exactly.
1: Right? Yep. yep, Gary, you may not be famous in D.C., but I hear you're huge in Kazakhstan.
3: Uh, Kazakhstan. Oh, I do, I do. love the Kazakhs. I don't know if they're as big there as they are to me, but uh, okay. that, that was, um, we worked for a, uh, I guess the best way to explain it would be, a, a, like a nation branding agency. Um, this was a company that went to developing countries. I wouldn't say third world countries. I certainly don't. Don't consider Kazakhstan one, but, um, you know, they're a young country. I mean, 25, 26 years old now. And at the time, they were even younger because we started working with them maybe close to 10 years ago. But um, this agency would go to these developing countries and sort of say, hey, we can help you through essentially a a PR campaign. um, We can help sort of announce your arrival to the world. and, And we did a lot of that. Uh, for the nation of of Kazakhstan, which was developed when the former Soviet Union broke up, for those that don't know, and um, I, I have a love affair with that country. I mean, I spent a lot of time there over like a four or five year period, and um, and really grew to grew to appreciate it and learned a lot about it. I mean, mo- essentially, I have Borat, I have Sasha Baron Cohen to thank for for all of that work <laughs> and experience because it was a lot of work because it was in it was in the wake. Of the um, what was that called, or was it just called Borat? I
1: think it was Borat, called Borat. I Borat yeah.
3: yeah, I think it had like some sort of subtitle. It did. Yeah, it had like Borat. a very long, you know, yeah. documentary yeah, of that. world's ghost, most greatest nation or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, so because of that movie, which which was hysterical and um, erroneously, and I would say, oh, yes. and a little <laughs> unfairly, to depicts Kazakhstan as yeah. this just backwards, crazy place. Um, that sort of opened the door for this agency to go, go in there and say, "Hey, let, let us, you know, let us help kind of fix your reputation." And Kazakhstan, I mean, very oh, cool. people knew anything of it at the time, because like I said, until 1991, it didn't even exist. It was just part of, of Russia, part of the Soviet Union. Um, it's a huge landmass. It's the it is the ninth largest country in the world as landmass. Wow! So that I did. that. Oh moment. my gosh! No, I did You don't look at a map if you don't believe it. And yet, as big as it is, it has only like 17 million people. So it's it's largely uninhabited and it's, you can't stick a fork in the ground without hitting some precious metal, natural gas. Uh, I I mean, it's really, really natural resource rich, but it's completely landlocked. So like they can't get anything out. So, um, Mm -hmm. so this, um, this agency basically was hired to, to sort of help let international audiences, both business and political, know that that kind of they're open for business, if you will. I'm putting that in, in air quotes, but that was actually cool, the man. of one of the many campaigns we did for them. And we worked for the Ministry of Foreign Affairs there, which is essentially like their State Department. So we, we ran around, we had a fixer with us at all times, and we ran around with, with total impunity. I mean, we could do whatever we wanted. And those let me tell you something, those former Soviet countries, those people know how to follow orders. So they tell, you, say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. they tell you you can't go somewhere and then you show them a letter that's that's uh, signed by the president who won the last election with like 103 percent of the vote. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they, you know, and they, they sort of get out of the way. And, you know, you want a chopper tomorrow, you make a call, you get a chopper tomorrow. So that, that um, the Kazakhstan work is up there among probably my best and, and favorite work Um, and though you didn't ask me if I was going to talk about the best job, the, the best job I ever did. And I think this is still outlined on, on our website was, um, that we got to shoot the video for the making of the SI swimsuit issue. um, Yes, the year Anna Kornikova was in it. So we went, my my crew of three, uh, me, camera, and audio went to a, a private island off the coast of Puerto Rico with, um. Anna Kornikova, uh, the, the hairstylist, the makeup stylist, the photographer, his two assistants, and the agent, and Anna's agent, wow. and two days down there, which was obviously awesome and, and uh, a great they experience on many levels.
2: That's 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 very cool.
3: Yeah, that beat's sitting between Saliza and Tony. I promise, yeah. <laughs> I promise you.
1: So our podcast has turned into, and, and quite unintentionally, I might add, a podcast all about food. I mean, we might as well call it, speaking of tangerines at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so with that in mind, just give me a yay or nay on these. What is your stance on these? Number one, flavored Oreos, say like mocha or jelly donut Oreos versus uh, the original. God.
3: In general, I'm okay with food combos, but if I had to go thumbs up, thumbs down on flavored Oreos, I think I would go thumbs down. Good call.
1: Good call. What about double stuff versus original?
3: Seems a little gluttonous. I would just throw away two tops and make my own. So I'm going to say, oh, but sometimes you do just crave a double stuff.
1: Fabulous. That is a fabulous answer. I'm going to try that.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's called, co- I don't know. I, I haven't done a cost analysis on it, though. Yeah. Lot um, ice, although you could save those tops and they could be like a crust for a homemade pie or something. Oh, that's, yeah, you a, that's crumble a good
1: point. them up. Yeah. So there you go. Exactly. It's like
3: Pinterest with Super G right now.
1: Yes.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, two more: cake donuts versus cake.
3: That's difficult. Um, I'm going to go cake. Although I like cake donuts more than most. I
2: think oh. the answer, the correct answer, is we'll accept both. Okay, That's a tough choice. That's like Sophie's choice. Which, that's, like asking <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, that's very analogous <laughs> to
3: Sophie's choice.
1: Definitely. Well, we said we were bringing the hard-hitting stuff here. Uh, and finally, craisins.
3: I like craisins. I'm sorry. I like You them. Do?
1: Yeah. do? you I eat them by apologize. the handful?
3: Um, I will eat them as a snack, but I will also, I've been known to sprinkle them in salad sometimes yes. if I'm making sort of a, a homemade sort of kitchen sink salad um, I have even I have even been known to like throw them in a crock pot with a piece of pork and, and some other stuff um, oh. so yeah I'll, I'll employ a crazen. I won't run away from a crazen.
2: this really is pinterest cooking with super
3: juice yes it is I like to cook recipes I, well I, I like to eat I love to eat as a cook I mean I love to eat and as a kid my mom worked so I had to learn how to cook cool. Well, that's so, cool
1: well, I like to throw craisins into things, but I would never want just a handful. And and so you're putting fruit with meat. This would, yes. Kornheiser would not eat None this of, dish.
3: Tony, Tony is, he's dietarily, he's a freak. I, I have very little respect for his <laughs> dietary positions. I mean, I think like, no ginger, no avocado. I don't think he eats bananas. I mean, he's he's freaky and I, I don't. Yeah, I'll, I'll put fruit with meat. I don't have an issue with that.
2: Well, yeah, me either. So it's unfortunate for me that you say that because I think my diet aligns more with him than anybody else. Well, I yeah,
0: won't put was-
3: it against you. I will just crush you for it.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's
2: excellent. That's perfect. That's, that's, I've been told that my food choices are usually those of a six-year-old. So yes. I roll with that.
3: Well, that's the, thing. the other thing about craisins, KJ. It's like, I got, I got three kids in the house. So you yeah. need like box snacks to throw in lunches. So sometimes you like go in the cupboard, there's nothing there. And you'd be like, all right, I don't have a crazin'. But yeah, I like them. I, I'm unapologetic.
1: And do you like them in stuffing? Are you, or, or, no, I,
3: no I'm, I'm a, actually, particularly with my Thanksgiving food, I'm, I'm pretty much a traditionalist. I don't like to get very funky with my Thanksgiving food. So All right. turkey now we're stuffing, back on
1: board. mashed potatoes, but no stuff, no craisins in the stuffing.
3: Correct. Now I'll do a sausage stuffing. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom sometimes did one with chestnuts um, and I'll eat it if you put like oysters in it, which I've had before. But t- but typically I would want to stay more traditional with that stuff. But I but I will try anything. I'm a very adventuresome eater um, and, you know, you mentioned Kazakhstan earlier, like some places you have to be. Uh, I went yep, there, one so. of the years I went there, my my cameraman was a, uh, what's the word? Vegetarian.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And it is not, I mean, it's meat and potatoes. It's an <laughs> not vegetarian friendly. And I told him straight up, I was like, dude, you can come, but I mean, you literally will be eating just the the cliff bars that you bring
1: and <laughs> potatoes.
3: And, and by the way, what they call meat, a lot of people in this country would call horse meat because they have there a lot are. of horses there. They roam free. I mean, I ate horse when I was there. I drank the fermented camel's milk and mare's milk, and it is nasty. I mean, the, oh, so yeah. um, so part of my adventuresome I mean, is just, I, I mean, I maybe I'm, I've got a, a slightly adventuresome spirit. I mean, I'm not clamoring to climb Everest or anything, but I, I'm not afraid to do that. So I, I will try foods, but specifically with Thanksgiving and and. You know, holiday meals, I like to keep them sort of traditional. I'm nostalgic like that.
2: Yeah, I'm with you on, on all that. I'm actually with you on the being adventurous with food. And I get kind of painted into a corner a lot on this podcast of yeah. because I would prefer to eat like a six-year-old. doesn't mean that I won't try stuff. It's just because I traveled a lot for job I spent about five years traveling around the world and would eat, you know, live octopus and all kinds yeah. of crazy things just wherever I was. So yeah. it's, it, it's great. And it you it's part of the experience of being out of the country or in an unfamiliar location is to try the food and just whatever, you know, just whatever, you know, food they, that they have to at least, you know, give it a shot. I just prefer the, you know, chicken nuggets and grilled cheese. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. Hey,
3: I don't know. I'm not going to apologize for that. No, nor should you. But I agree, man. No. You got to experience life, right? What's the point? Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Well, Gary, you're fantastic. We love you. Thank you so much for coming on with much, us. Man.
3: Thank you guys. Appreciate you having me on and good luck.
1: thanks
3: <laughs> Talk soon. Hey, how's it going?
1: We
2: hope you've enjoyed listening to the podcast so far and we hope you'll continue listening and continue enjoying. And if not, we hope your day gets better. If you'd like to send us some feedback, you can reach us on Twitter at SpeakTangents Send us an email at speakingoftangentspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website at speakingoftangents.com. I've also heard the interns say that we have a Facebook account, and Instagram, and a Snapchat. So do we have any feedback this week?
1: Oh, yes, we do have feedback. You know, as we said earlier with Gary, this uh-huh. podcast has become unintentionally about food. Yes. And, and we've gotten tons of food feedback. And and we appreciate it. Don't don't get us wrong. But it would take us, what, an hour at least to just read the food feedback oh, alone.
2: Just the Oreo and donut threads exactly. alone would take an hour.
1: So, you know, if anyone wants to read that and join in, check it out on Twitter. Believe me, you won't have any problems finding it.
2: Yeah, I love those conversations. I hope, I hope those kind of things yeah. continue. People keep posting stuff. It's, it's our friends on Twitter, so we're going back and forth you know, with our newly hired social media, whatever I called it. I can't remember the title. I think Maven, you called think. it
1: Social Media Maven.
2: Yes, which, you know, uh, we'd like to welcome, you know, I think we just recently fired her after her, you know, you know, this is kind of like an uh, Scaramucci kind of situation where she was hired and then fired before she ever <laughs> she was hired as our social as our food commentator uh, correspondent and then fired before we could actually ever get to another episode to even
0: talk yeah. about it.
1: Yes. And um I guess I don't. I don't. Jim Babbish, yes, J. Bab yes. Sports Chick,
2: Yeah. social media coordinator. Yes, well, not coordinator.
1: It, well, promoter. And, well, did you see the tweet? from Thread Speaking starter. of tangents, the interns are not too happy about that.
2: Good, keep them on their toes.
1: Yes, exactly. Yes. All right, but speaking of all the food, so we, you know, you can find it on Twitter. Yes. Um, but we did get a jingle about Oreos from Tony Beeson, so we're, oh, we're gonna yes. we're gonna play that one. <laughs> I love this idea. It's
2: should this is funny,
1: yeah. like, mocha. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: oh, 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 it's a brilliant idea. Oreos <laughs> should be kept in
3: classic.
2: Form.
1: Agreed. Uh, I agree with that. <laughs> with a nod to the amen.
2: Yes, very good. Amen and not amen. Amen. Uh, yes. That's really good. It's
1: great. <laughs> Thanks yeah, for saying that, Tony. It should be kept in classic form, I agree with, especially when classic form means double stuff.
2: Yes, and not cookies and cream flavored Oreos. Just Oreos. Yes,
1: right, exactly.
2: Do we have any like non Oreo food yeah, or
1: yeah. So related we, feedback? We got some clarifications. And Matt Matt Vogel at Vo, Matt at Vogel Matt mm-hmm. from on Twitter, he was catching up on a few podcasts this weekend, and so he said Milky Way. Speaking of food and candy, Milky Way <laughs> and Three Musketeers are the same. There's no caramel in Three Musketeers. I hope you heard that two weeks ago.
2: Yeah. That's that's a good point, point. and I like that he put "there's no caramel in 3M," which you know I don't know if he was doing that on purpose to throw back that's to true, our yeah. Minnesota mining and, and manufacturing yeah, from last week. Yeah, ah.
1: he did write 3M, and I just wrote yes. three. I just said Three Musketeers, but yes, Synergy. there is no caramel in Three Musketeers, and that's why I said they are nowhere near as good as Milky Way.
2: Is that why it's called a Milky Way? So it was basically, was it was it a Three Musketeers, and then they put the caramel ribbon in there? It looks like a Milky Way, and that's why they call it a Milky Way?
1: You know, I don't think so, but Ed Butt did tweet us something about how Milky Way was named.
2: Oh, cool. Well, we should probably go look that yeah, up. Yeah,
1: we should. Thank you, Ed Butt.
0: Yes,
2: thank
1: you. That was a couple weeks ago, I believe.
2: That was very prescient of him to answer my question before I asked it. Yes, was it was.
1: And speaking of clarifications, Al Pool at Al mm-hmm. Pool 33 this is in re- This is in regards to our pronunciation segment last week. He said, in the Upper Peninsula, UP of Michigan, Mm -hmm. sauna is pronounced sauna, and you will be looked at funny. (laughs) And so...
2: Does he mean you'll be looked at funny if you're just going into the sauna or if you just don't (laughs) say it like sauna?
1: I I think... Because that
2: seems like, you know, condescending glares when everybody comes in the sauna that they're like, hmm yes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah
2: yeah mm-hmm.
1: i get those kind of looks even when i don't walk in a sauna or sauna okay. um but yeah he he and i responded to him and said yes in fact the person that was talking about pronouncing it sauna grew up in the upper peninsula for eight or so years and then moved to oh. northern minnesota in you know when he was 10 or something so he's got and, I, and they do say it in northern Minnesota that way, sauna, but, you know, upper Peninsula of Michigan and northern Minnesota aren't too far away from each other. That's eh, the same thing. The same thing, yeah. And then yeah, he wanted to thing. know, how do you pronounce this word? P-A-S-T-Y. Pasty. That's what I say, too. Pasty. But not in northern Minnesota, and I'm guessing what he's saying is not in the U-P. It's pasty. Well, that's just wrong. I think so, too.
2: Sauna, sauna, that's, you know, that's half, six six of one, a dozen of the other. But, you know, pasty?
1: Pasty. Yeah. Um, I'm not into that, no. Some of the Hall of Famers relatives that are from northern Minnesota call it a pasty. And um, when we've said pasty, apparently pasties are um, a certain piece of costume for... Oh,
2: I know know what a pasty is.
1: Okay. Or pasty white skin. I mean, you could say that. Yeah. But pasty is not correct.
2: Well do they say pastries? Right. Like it's for pastries. donuts and stuff, speaking of food. No, yeah.
1: they don't say pasties. Well then it's they pastries. can't
2: say then they can't say pasty.
1: I know. Because no that, other you know,
2: your skin tone is pasty, no.
1: No other words, you know, have different pronunciations that are similar <laughs> to each other. Heck no. <laughs> um so thank you, Al. It's it's yes, thank it, you. but it but it's pasty. Okay. And then will At Aquarium, (laughs) D-R-N-K-E-R.
0: Wait,
2: you're not going to try the three or four different ways to sound it out this time?
1: Not this week.
2: I'm disappointed.
1: (laughs) Will says, if I remember correctly, Weed Eater was the brand name in the mid-70s when trimmers hit the market. Ah. Yeah, now it's like Kleenex. Um, Kleenex 4 and ubiquitous. Um, Yes. Kleenex 4 and... Is there a word missing there?
2: Uh yeah, I'm not sure what he's trying to I understand what he's saying though. He's saying it's like, it's like Kleenex Zero. It's like I'm give me yeah. a Kleenex, I'm gonna Google this. Yeah. Which I believe somebody else sent us something about that that we need to talk about. Yeah, like, Robert Colpine. He sent yes. us that.
1: And and I think we will get into that at some point. Yes, maybe
2: in a couple of weeks. Yes.
1: And then a good friend of mine texted me
2: mm-hmm.
1: and said, FYI. Good friend of yours. Good friend of mine. Yes. Okay. FYI. I would say um, and so she works for she works for the DNR. Um, of Minnesota, and mm-hmm. she so some of her staff. You she know, works
2: for the Do Not Resuscitate of <laughs> Minnesota. What, what is it? The Democratic National.
1: Democratic National Republicans. <laughs> okay. Okay, and so she said, um,
2: "DNR, Do Not Resuscitate." This conversation.
1: <laughs> yeah, she, I would say some of my staff deal with turf management all summer. We certainly call it weed whipping because the machines are called weed whippers. Hmm. So well,
2: I, I I believe that Will Aquarium dr, dr, Drink dr, Drunk Drunker Drinker um, Yeah Yeah from before has clarified that they are Weed Eaters as yeah. the brand name. So I'm going to go know. with Weed Eating. But you know your your friends are, you know are entitled to their own opinions.
1: Well, I guess the machines are actually called Weed Whippers, just like the Weed Eaters. So hmm. okay. and the Hall of Famer uh, pretty much told me right away. Um, no, you didn't. You didn't make up the word weed whipping. So
2: that's good. Apparently,
1: yeah. it's around this region. Cool. And then, Stat Young Man Luke Overby at Luke Overby sent us this <laughs> Facebook shutting down AI bots is fake news. Failing at speaking of tangents, hashtag stat, sad, hashtag yeah. Stat Young Man. Now, uh, yes, but then guess what? Just the other day, I saw that story on the Today Show. Yes. So the, they didn't the, say the it was the first place fake. I read it
2: was on The Ringer. Yeah. So I think people, a lot of people have been fooled. So Stat Young Man has got it together more than the research staffs. We have a better research staff, volunteer research staff, than the Today Show and The Ringer put together.
1: Yeah, keyword volunteer there. Yes. As well as any social media maven. <laughs>
2: yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely.
1: He, he nailed this one because it was after he sent us this clarification tweet <sighs> that I saw this on the today show that's funny mm-hmm. and i that's was funny. like hey that's fake news they're <laughs> running this fake news <laughs>
2: that's good thank you sir
1: now we have a follow-up from the aforementioned um j bab sports chick jen babish uh-huh. she followed up she retweeted someone's tweet um who re- who retweeted the red sox so the red sox tweeted something about you know we had a they they had a marriage at the Fenway Park between innings, and yes. the, this JJ Barstool JJ tweeted, "This makes the jumbo jumbotron proposal look classy." And Jen Babish retweeted his and said, "Wonder how much that costs, Speaking of tangents, <laughs> and I don't know that must now was the Red Sox well they didn't have they weren't too expensive were they for for jumbo um, jumbotron proposals.
2: They were in the middle there somewhere. So, yeah, but still, um, I think I treated at something that said something like, well, we know it at least cost them both their dignity. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. yeah. But that actually, is... it was
2: probably cheaper than a, even a low-end wedding, because weddings can get into the, oh, yeah. the multiple thousands, tens of thousands of dollars easily if you have a big wedding.
1: That's true. And it was probably cheaper, but like you said, it cost them their dignity.
2: Yeah, which is, you, you know, priceless. You just don't
1: do that.
2: Yeah, this is a MasterCard commercial from, like, the 80s and 90s, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, priceless. <laughs> Wedding,
2: $10,000. Tom Brady jersey, that thing probably costs, like, $2,000. Your dignity, priceless.
1: Yep, yep. Although, I think those, aren't those commercials still out there?
2: I, I try not to get into marketing.
1: Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, John Miller at JKM563 sent us... A note that he he said I did listen to S Town because of your re- recommendation, enjoyed oh. it. Keep recommending them. Cool. And then
2: does he mean we should keep recommending S Town or recommending uh, other stuff?
1: Well, I took it as keep recommending other stuff. Okay. And then Jeannie in Beemore at JB Hoops 32 replied to that and said, she never, I never gave my feedback to speaking at tangents on S-Town. I found it more educational on different issues and, and, and another part of the country than exploitation.
0: Oh, yeah,
2: because I remember we talked about that. And you. Yeah, and I thought
1: I, I didn't know, but it felt kind of at, exploitative at places. So Yep. I, um, I'll get to it someday. So that was, that was good to hear that uh, Jeannie's perspective that it, she didn't see it that way.
3: Yes.
1: Fresh from the Roosevelt
2: Room on House of Cards,
1: and and um, wait till you yeah, fresh from the Roosevelt yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And wait till you hear my recommendation for next week.
2: Oh, this is a this is a (laughs) preview of a recommendation.
1: Yes. Um, Nice. So speaking of food, we just can't get away from food, which is fine because everybody likes food, right? Everybody likes to eat. You gotta eat. So anyway, Brad Weiss at One Brad Weiss said. And this was about some thread. I, can't, I think James Cunningham started it about, or, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm getting everything. No, this is the Reese's Donut. That was Jen Babish tweeted that she went there, I think. Yes. And, and so this was a James long. Did, James did start
2: one about um, other food ones, too. So
1: Yeah, okay. So yes. this was a long, long thread. And Brad Weiss said, yes. six degrees of Kevin Bacon has become 12 steps of the Reese's Donut. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I appreciate that he used a food named actor. So do I. the analogy, yeah, yes.
1: Yeah. And Jenny Robin. He's a smart guy. He is. He's a, you know, he he knows his bacon.
2: He's got letters after his name.
1: He does. And not just, you know, Jason Fuse. Comma S O T co-host. S-O-T-C-H. S O T C H. I
2: thought you were going to say comma S O B, which could, it's been probably uh, it's been you know that's how I've been referred to before. But anyway, <sighs>
1: um, and then Jenny Robbins at Robbins underscore Jenny said again, speaking about that same thread, this whole thread was a hundred times more enjoyable than that than that donut.
2: <laughs> and see, that's an official on the scene review right there. Yes, it so is. Because she, she, she actually tried it and thought it was going to be good. And then she was like, yep. And I totally agree.
1: I, I appreciate well, you
2: taking that bullet, Jenny.
1: I'm pretty sure I agree. I don't think I would like that donut at all.
2: Oh, no. I'm not eating that.
1: No, I'm not eating it.
2: But the thing that sticks out to me is uh, Victoria at Fuchsia underscore goddess tweeted, mm-hmm. which I don't believe she's tweeted us in, in any no, of our threads before. No. Uh, it was good to see new people in there. But she, she tweeted an IHOP ad, like a picture of an ad that she had taken on her phone and it was for French Toasted Donuts, and all that's fine. Whatever it had bacon and stuff, and eat what you want. I'm not eating that. But the thing that I want to talk about is the hashtag for yes. their advertisement for French Toasted Donuts. The hashtag was "What the French."
1: It's ter. It's terrible.
0: It's worse than Welcome to Delicious.
1: It absolutely is worse than Welcome to Delicious.
0: And see, for people who I I want
2: to. I'm going to piggyback on something that Gary said when he was talking about uh, Tony being like, no, you don't don't come in here and tell me who's going to be my producer. Mm -hmm. That's the same. I totally get that because it's the same thing as what combo meal would you like? Welcome to delicious. We know you're going to love this. Don't tell me what I'm going to do. I know. (laughs) I'll roll with anything. Just don't presume so much.
1: Yeah, don't phrase it that way. It makes yes. a huge difference, you know.
2: What the French?
1: I tweeted. I think I tweeted this to you a couple weeks ago now about Caribou Coffee, yes. with their sign that says "See you tomorrow." That even yes. bugs me. <laughs> yes,
2: and that could actually be interpreted a different way, but still, totally, I'm with you on yeah. that too.
1: Yeah, and we have a local yeah. gas station chain here that I love because they actually sell decent coffee, and you don't have to pay five bucks for it. It's yeah. called Quick Trip with a K, not Come and Go. With a K, which is also <laughs> out there in Iowa and probably other places. At least it's not with a C. Yeah, it's not a C. It's a cum. I mean, a K. <laughs> 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 All right, moving right on from there. Quick well, trip. Well, the, yeah. This isn't a slogan that's written down. These are what the workers say after you leave. See you next oh, time. No. Yeah. So, yeah. so that, that presumption that they know you're going to like it so much that you're going to come back.
0: Yeah. What if you walked out and got hit by a car?
1: Right.
2: The next time they saw you would be in a casket. I mean, yeah. Are they looking forward to you dying? Are are they are they wanting you to be dead <laughs> so they don't have to help you out anymore? I mean, come on. What this the stuff French can go in all sorts of crazy directions. Yeah. What the French? This is the same thing as Claire and I think it was Jenna was also on this thread about the advertisements and how they've gotten more you know overbearing on the internet where it takes up the entire page and you can't even get the close button is so tiny and they put it right next to these other buttons that like lead you to the page. It's advertisers have gotten out of hand with that stuff where they don't even care whether it makes you like their product more or actually leads to any actual people spending dollars with the company. All they're trying to do is get certain number of hits so they can report to their bosses. We got, you know, a million looks or eyeballs on this, you know, ad with this format. So now I did my job. And the crazy thing is at some point in the near future, I think, the people who are running these companies are going to be like, all this, all this, you know, eyeballs on stuff and looks and views. If it's not translating to dollars, what the crap are we doing? And what the all French this bottom. Are we doing? Yeah, what this, the French are we yeah. doing? <laughs> the bottom is going to fall out of this thing. And I will yep. be honestly glad to see. I don't want people to lose jobs. I want people to focus on marketing is good when you. Use it to connect to people and target the people that you that really you know are more than likely to buy your product or to be interested in your product or to need your product, and then you tell them about it and let them know about it, and then they will purchase stuff from you. That's how it should work. Not let's get as many people exposed to this as possible, and we don't care if it actually sells anything as the marketing group. And it is, and it's it's not a lot of times it's their fault. It's the people who are above them who are like, hey, you know, I found this, you know. Outside consulting company we can go with, they promised us so many, this blah, blah, blah number of Twitter followers and views. And what these other like little fly-by-night companies are doing is they're buying Twitter, you know, users. Mm -hmm. They're buying bots or they're buying users to build up your brand to make you think. And they generate all these numbers and they're gone in six months. So they don't care if you sell anything or not. And then the company is going, wait a minute, we did all this stuff. We paid, you know, we saved some money by paying them to do this instead of our internal marketing. But it got us nothing. So essentially we just threw money away. Yep, this it, stuff is it, gonna crash at some point.
1: Well, I would hope so. So,
2: what the French?
1: What the good French? good luck
2: with that? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it's it, people don't care about what they're supposed to care about.
0: <laughs> that's exactly bringing
1: the, it back to the very beginning.
0: <laughs> that's people exactly don't care right. about
1: my time. <laughs> what the French?
2: How is that helping me?
1: Exactly.
2: Well, the problem is that's what a lot of people ask now. Instead of how is that helping other people?
1: Well, uh, yeah, and if that's you know, we know that that's been going on for years of people asking that, but it seems to be more more human
2: human condition, yeah,
1: prevalent now, and that is probably just because of social media and yeah, the the internet, yeah, yeah,
2: the internet has been ruined by this stuff.
1: In yeah, the last yeah.
2: five, 10 years, it's been ruined. It used to be a great resource. And I was like, man, I'm glad my kids grow up, get to grow up in the time of the internet where they don't have to go to the library and look up something using the Dewey Decimal System in mm-hmm. the paper card catalog mm-hmm. and get it on the microfilm or and the, put it in the little thing.
1: Yeah. Or the encyclopedias. Yeah.
2: And that's, that's up, that, you know, it's out of date a day after right, it's printed in some right. cases. So, yeah, it's, it's great. And it is like, here's the thing it's a great tool and it's a great benefit and bonus that part of humanity has ruined for everybody else.
1: Yeah, you nailed Humans it. Humans
2: tend to screw stuff up when they are left to their own devices.
1: Yeah, I, I sent you the picture of this mug that I saw somewhere that said,
0: Yes, I laughed.
1: I want to be a nice person, but people are so stupid.
0: That is exactly right. <laughs> and look, I am stupid about stuff too, yeah. and I fully admit that. I think it's important... This is another thing that
2: Gary mentioned, which I think is, is, is great that Tony comes out and says, is that know what you know and know what you don't know and yes. quit trying to know everything and quit trying to be everything and be who you are and play your role. Not only will you be happier and bring more benefit to you, it's a bonus and you become a you know gift, in a sense, to everybody else.
1: Right. Stop trying Just to <laughs> know it all, basically. Yes. Stop thinking you know it all.
2: There you go. I mean, except except for us, which you Whoa, know, we yeah, know everything.
1: Obviously, it goes without saying. What the French views?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's enough food talk, don't you? Yes, I do. So we'll move on.
1: Okay.
2: Amazon reviews. Oh, I yes. I decided to look up Oreo
1: flavors. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. Of course yes. you did. Because
2: whether it be intentional or unintentional, we cannot escape this. And no. hey, like you said, it's. We'll, we'll, we'll roll with it. I'm it, glad people are know, interested in it.
1: It is what it is.
2: It is what it is. That's very true. Yes. So I, I looked up Oreos, just the Oreo flavors on Amazon, and this is just a sampling of a few things that I came across. Um, we've talked about the Mocha, the Dunkin' Donuts Mocha Oreos before.
1: Yes, we M- have. Last many, week.
2: Many episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you reviewed them. I did. And <laughs> here's, so I thought we would get some other perspectives.
1: Oh, and Jen Babish, by the way, agreed with me, which was like Affirmation Baby. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So now we're Excellent. going to get some more viewpoints on this.
2: Yes. Okay. And so it's, um, so we get some outside the podcast, outside the realm of our, you know, social media presence. Yes. Our, our online presence, some more, some more views that, so, so we're not insulating ourselves, you know, and just thinking, you know, we know everything, even though we do.
1: Are top comedians, comedians reviewing these?
2: Um, no.
1: Okay. Well, that's all right.
2: Doesn't say. But uh, I, I don't then. recognize this person's name. It's, here's a five-star review for the mocha. Dunkin' Donuts Mocha Oreos, or sandwich cookies, as they're called. Oh, yes. Which we need to get into that at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even like coffee. This doesn't have all the bitterness of coffee because it's outweighed by the sweetness of the cream. I love these things. So what you're saying is you like them in spite of the flavor, the mocha flavor. So what you're really just saying is you like Oreos.
1: It, exactly. And they don't, and that they don't taste like coffee.
2: Right. Which leads us to the next one, which is the cookies and cream flavored Oreos, which is one star. This is an Oreo that tastes <laughs> like an Oreo. Just buy some regular Oreos, which oh, that's I, completely, fantastic. I completely agree with.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much the, um, the stance of this podcast.
2: Yes. Here's another review. This was three stars for the cookies and cream Oreo. I bought this and I took a bite and realized how big of an idiot I was. <laughs> if you want this just buy a package of normal Oreos and save the money because they're called limited edition and they're like twice as much as a regular bag of Oreos. Oh yeah, and the Mo- the
1: mocha Oreos, I don't know if they're the same price as regular but the the package is half as half as big.
2: Yeah, so you're getting you're you're in in these cases on Amazon, if you go to buy like the cookies and cream ones because they say limited edition on them, it's mm-hmm. like ten to twelve dollars per bag, and they are like the half size bags of a normal. What's what's a regular bag like four or five dollars at most?
1: Something like that. And yeah. and Jason's wife sent me a note that said, you know, you could get these on Amazon right now, or you know, if you got two <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> days. And I said, I'm not paying eight bucks. And she said, Well, you've. Pretty much done that already with all the gas you've been using the, to go to all these your places. Your gas
2: and the time going around, it was worth more than $4.
1: Touche, Jason's wife.
2: Yes, yes. Uh, we're big Amazon shoppers. I mean, we bought our kids, you know, school supplies, which, speaking of which, they went back to school this week. It's party time. <laughs> Excellent. Celebrate, yes. Um, so we bought other school supplies on Amazon, or most of it, um, what we could find, because it's just like, it. you'll drive yourself crazy. You waste more time, and your my mental you know, sanity is not worth going to four or five different stores to search for stuff anymore. I'm thankful that I have, you know, the extra $10 here and there that I can pay for this stuff, but it's just, you got to think about money's not everything.
1: No, we made that decision just a few days ago when we went to the baseball game. Um, Yes. We decided to pay a little more and get in a parking lot that was closer to the game, less walking.
2: Absolutely. And it
1: actually didn't turn out to be worth it because we were on the top level and it took us 45 (laughs) minutes to get out. But that's for another time.
2: I'm glad I said absolutely worth it. And you immediately said, no, it wasn't worth it. (laughs) That's funny. Um, And I'll I'll end this with um, a couple of questions. Okay. Because, you know, these are reviews mostly, but every now and then you see customer questions and answers on Amazon. And some of those are funny, too. Oh, those are great. Yeah. Yeah. So these are about the blueberry pie Oreos. Which oh. seem to me to be the most disgusting ones I've yeah. heard.
1: Gag me. I can't.
2: Yeah. I, uh, the jelly donuts, you know, close. They're up second. there too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the first question, are these lactose free? <laughs> the answer, I want to say yes as I don't see anything that looks like dairy in it. But I'm not sure what you're really looking for. I'm going,
1: what? Uh, yeah. What's French?
2: <laughs> yeah. And finally, what is the expiration date on these cookies? <laughs> Answer one, sorry, I can't answer your question. Answer two, I don't know. I wish I could help. It was delicious. Answer three, I can't help as my purchase was about a year ago, but they were delicious. What?
0: Why are you answering the question? I know we've yep. talked about this before. You can before. find
1: that anywhere and all over Amazon. What? What somebody asks a question and
0: in and and multiple people feel compelled to answer and go, I don't know.
1: Oh yeah, I just had that <laughs> myself when I was looking for a um, sort of a safari hat for this trip I'm taking soon.
0: Oh, and this sounds are what safari
1: safari hat and Uh-oh. there were questions Is just a ward
2: off the deer horse fly. No, nope,
1: nope, totally different. And okay. uh, basically, the question was, does this hat run? Um, you know, smaller or bigger than, does it run true to size is basically the question. And they an- right. several answers. I don't know. I, 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 do, I don't know the answer to that. It's like, oh, thank this, you very much.
2: Yeah, this goes back to the very first time we did these Amazon reviews when somebody asked the question about a snow shovel and people responded, three people responded. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know the answer to your question.
1: Mm-hmm. And <laughs> then is- one, one of them was the most helpful, rated as the most helpful.
2: Yes. <laughs> Out of all the questions and answers on the, the, the product, yeah, the snow shovel. Yeah. So it's, this is where knowing what you don't know means – I know we talked before about you know knowing what you know, knowing what you don't know, which is important. When to share what you don't know is also important. Don't yes. feel like you have to say, I don't know.
1: It's like don't <laughs> – Unless h-
2: somebody's asking you directly.
1: Right. In the same And along the same lines, don't hit reply all. And say no, I don't absolutely. know, yeah. or thank you, or you know,
0: yeah. It's this is not. Why did you feel compelled to answer this question when you didn't know?
1: I. Why I what don't is, know. It's probably the what same is it about people that's taking a picture on Instagram and posting it.
0: That's
2: true. I, I will say this: I am glad that these people feel like compelled. Maybe it's something. In there's like I really want to help this person. Yeah, and I feel like I should say something.
0: You're not helping them
2: doing this. Right.
1: I don't know. I'm very sorry. I can't answer your question, but I really don't know the answer to your question. Good luck.
2: I love that two of them out of the three said, but they were delicious or it was delicious.
1: Yeah. So who cares about the expiration date? And I will say that this is an Oreo cookie loaded with preservatives. It pretty much will last as long as the Twinkie.
2: Yeah, it's exactly.
1: As long as you. It's
2: not a gallon of milk or, you know, a carton of eggs.
1: Yeah. As long as you seal it afterwards, after you open it. And if it's a little stale, it's stale. Yeah, but I'm there's not no, eating there's stale no actual, Oreos.
2: Well, I can agree with that, but I mean, come on if you're if you're going on Amazon to look for twelve dollar bags of limited yeah. edition Oreos, uh, you're probably going to eat them no matter what. That's true. But again, don't buy these.
1: No,
0: stick with the regular Oreos. Yeah,
1: that I think we've um, we've made that point pretty clear. Yes. <laughs>
2: Is there any other thing, any other food or, you know, hopefully non-related food stuff that we need to cover this week?
1: No, I think we covered a lot this week.
2: Well, we covered a lot of food and then a few things every now and then. Yeah, we did. Cool. Well, I will talk to you later.
1: All right. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Speaking of Tangents is brought to you by KJ Onstead and Jason Fuse. Hosted by Jason Fuse and KJ Onstead. Created by KJ Onsted and Jason Fuse. Music written and performed by Jason Fuse. Lyrics and vocals by KJ Onsted and Jason Fuse. Edited by Jason Fuse. Special consultant for guest acquisitions is KJ Onsted. And speaking of guests, one more time, we want to thank Gary Braun for joining us today. You can find Gary on Twitter at Braunfilm. That's B R A U N film. And if you listen to us through iTunes or Stitcher, please consider leaving us a review. Also, if you haven't subscribed yet, do it today. You can go back and catch up on all 52 episodes while you're on a road trip, or running a marathon, or vacationing with your in-laws. Speaking of vacations, I'm headed to my Instagram account right now, at Buffalo BuffaloAlice post some more photos of my recent vacation at the third annual cabin retreat where I took the time to stop enjoying my vacation in order to snap photos to post them to show how much I enjoyed my vacation and how great my life really is. Graphics by Jason Fuse. I love snow peas and I love you.
0: Amen.